Broadcasting from the heartland of America. In the Hoosier Media Network Studios. The next generation in conservative talk radio. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. Welcome into it. It is the Voice of Reasons Weekend Edition. I am Andy Hoosier. Wonderful to have you along with us for another weekend. And boy, I tell you, I have to be... I, I'm honored to do it, but it's crazy that all this stuff keeps happening on weekends, and we get to be some of the first ones to cover it nationwide. So welcome into the program. This is The Voice Reason. I'm Andy Hoosier, broadcasting out of the heart of the nation here in the, I guess, Wichita, Kansas, just outside of Wichita, Kansas at the Hoosier Media Network Studios. Great to have you. Uh, we have a lot lined up for the program today. Bottom of this hour, we have Sharice Trump. No, she's not part of the Trump family, but she is Sharice Trump. She is the executive director of Speech at First which fights for the right for freedom of speech on college campuses as we continue to see the left-wing progressives indoctrinate students time and time and time again, shutting down conservative speakers, conservative messages, conservative organizations on the college campuses. So we'll get to that here in just a little bit. Bottom of next hour, we have Richard Lyons. Uh, We've had him on the show before. He is an author of uh, numerous different books. And the concern is how corrupt is government and how badly... Well, we see politicians continue to fight to hold their power, and could we see the revival of assassinations within our culture? That's kind of a scary thought. So we have all that to get to. We have the uh, big votes that are coming up next week in our House of Representatives, but we uh, do have some breaking news that's going on today, which uh, regardless of whenever you carry this program, it is a Saturday right now, and a lot of things going on this weekend with our latest and what's trending. Let's go to the... Oh, let's, that's wrong one. Let's try that one again. There we go. What's trending today? See, I'm still figuring out my buttons on the home front here. Trying to, I move things around often, and then I confuse myself. Headline to the day today is Israel officially under attack. Now, this is the largest attack that we've seen on the country of Israel in decades, especially after the Abraham Accords that former President Donald Trump had put into place. And we actually just talked to somebody a few weeks ago on the program about the Abraham Accords and the argument from many Republicans in the presidential field right now, including Vivek Ramaswamy, that was talking about an Abraham Accord 2.0. And what do the Abraham Accords look like and the deals that we've had that have kept peace in the nation? But why are we seeing such turmoil now as early on Saturday morning? We've had Hamas in Palestine that took an air assault, a land assault, and a sea assault coming into Israel from all fronts, starting off Saturday morning with thousands of rockets and missiles being shot into the Israeli territory, killing uh, so far, at least as of Saturday afternoon, 50 plus individual or hundreds of people have been killed. More than 50 people have been taken hostage from Hamas and thousands have already been injured with the all affront assault on Israel. Now, Here's the weird part. Israel is always on full alert because this happens all the time. They see rocket missiles shoot back and forth constantly. They're always at each other's throats. So they're already on high alert all the time. Why all of a sudden did we see this massive assault from Hamas and what triggered this one, so to speak? And why was Israel so ill-equipped and caught off guard with this full-on assault? As according to all the reports that we're seeing from numerous different headlines right now, that Israel wasn't quite ready for this one, got hit back on their heels, and now they're trying to recover. And while they are pushing them back again, we now have hostages. Uh, Israel said they are declaring war, which we'll get to in a second, and they're trying to take back and and go on a full frontal assault 
onto Palestine, but are very cautious of how they're doing it with Israeli uh, citizens that are being held hostage right now. Uh, Benjamin Netanyahu, prime minister for the country of Israel, did make a statement earlier on Saturday, which this is the translated version of it, but this was him speaking to the nation of Israel early on Saturday after the first round of assaults. Citizens of Israel, we are at war, not in an operation or in rounds, but at war. This morning, Hamas launched a murderous surprise attack against the state of Israel and its citizens. We have been in this since the early morning hours. I convened the heads of security establishment and ordered, first of all, to clear out the communities that have been infiltrated by terrorists. This currently is being carried out. At the same time, I have ordered an extensive mobilization of reserves and that we return fire of a magnitude that the enemy has not known. The enemy will pay an unprecedented price. In the meantime, I call on the citizens of Israel to strictly adhere to the directives of the IDF and Home Front Command. We are at war, and we will win it. We are at war, and we will win it. Things are starting to escalate. Is this the beginning of something larger? Is this a cause for concern here on the home front here in the United States with something larger and greater? Now, we can speculate, but right now we don't have a whole lot of answers as things are just unfolding before our eyes as we just try to absorb and sit back and observe to prepare ourselves. I call on the U.S. government right now, the Biden administration, and with all of our reservations that we have with the Biden administration right now, I call on them, which they did make a statement earlier as well, saying that they will they will have the support of Israel, but how much support? And let's be honest, let's look at some of the other issues that have been leading up to this point for the past year. Over the last decade, and really over the past few years, especially under the Trump administration, we had the Abraham Accords that has kept peace, and actually some of the most peaceful times in the Middle East that we've seen in a very long time. And whether Democrats like it or not, whether Democrats want to accept it or not, Donald Trump helped create a large part of that peace that we've seen. And while there has been obvious squabbling that's gone on, because that's just what goes on over there, it's been relatively peaceful. But now we're not just seeing the ongoing spat back and forth, a full frontal assault. And by the way, just imagine, if you will, a full frontal assault with thousands of missiles, hundreds of soldiers from land and by sea, and Israel took a, took a bit of a hit, but at the same time, they're still standing strong, and they have re- said they're going to retaliate with some of the strongest uh, force that they have ever seen because they're prepared for such a time. They might have been caught off guard, but that doesn't mean that they're out of the game. But what has led up to this situation? We've had years of us abandoning weapons, tanks, everything else over in Iran. We've actually given them $6 billion of money to Iran while we tried to let go of some of the hostages they had of ours, of the United States, where there is now, according to CNN, this isn't like right-wing conservative news here, Alex Jones stuff. This is CNN saying that there's concern that this is being funded and supported by the Iranian government. And if that's the case, did we aid and abet that in some way, shape, or form? Of course, the United States, and especially under progressive and deep state control, we like to play both sides of the aisle here. But we have to remember, we need to be fully open and prepared to support Israel in any way, shape that we possibly can. Because Israel is our largest ally, our strongest ally. We were the very first nation to recognize them as a sovereign state when they became a nation back in the 50s. And this is a big deal for us to support. But We're going to be supporting them while we support Israel and try to fend off an Iranian country or at least some type of terrorist from the Palestinian country with probably some of our own resources that we left behind. 
There's another rumor that uh, uh, Russia could be involved in this as well, because with Israel having been supporting Ukraine, the Russians think that uh, by attacking them, that would lay off some of the resources being sent to the Ukrainians with that ongoing frontal assault as well. Things are beginning to escalate, and I'm not saying that it could become a global conflict, but this is definitely a major surprise for a lot of individuals, including those there in the country of Israel. President Joe Biden making a statement earlier on Saturday as well, shortly after the attacks happened and the announcement came from the Israeli government. Today, the people of Israel are under attack, orchestrated by a terrorist organization, Hamas. In this moment of tragedy, I want to say to them and to the world and the terrorists everywhere, the United States stands with Israel. We will not ever fail to have their back. We'll make sure that they have the help their citizens need and they can continue to defend themselves. No, the world's seen appalling images. Thousands of rockets in the space of hours raining down on Israeli cities. I got up this morning and started this at 7.38 o'clock. My calls, Hamas terrorists crossing into Israel, <laughs> killing not only Israeli soldiers, but Israeli civilians. In the street, in their homes, innocent people murdered, wounded, entire families taken hostage by Hamas. Just days after Israel marked the holiest of days in the Jewish calendar. It's unconscious. It's uncontrolled. Okay, so that was President Joe Biden earlier on Saturday. So I, I had to chuckle a little bit, not because it's not a serious issue. In fact, it's a very scary, very serious issue that we have to address. I had to laugh because did you catch the statement that he made in there? He had to try and put his nice little jab in the fact that he's not old and decrepit and wakes up at 10 o'clock in the morning. And every report that we've heard that he doesn't even start his day until like 9 or 9.30, 10 o'clock to get up and get moving. But I was getting my press briefings when I got up and started moving at 7.30, 8 o'clock this morning. <laughs> I just I had to chuckle at that. Now, that's obviously completely different from when the Bush administration was in there. And George Bush talked about getting his press briefings at 530 while he was in the gym in the White House and walking on the treadmill, reading about the overnight press releases and all the threats and all the global news that went on throughout the night when he was in the gym at 530. The Trump administration, that dude never even slept. I mean, the media went after him for that one, too. He was just, like, roaming around the hallways in his robe, sending out tweets at 2 o'clock in the morning. The media was like, he's mentally unstable. But yet he was active because he was engaged, being that type A personality that he was. And the Biden administration, well, we started at 8 o'clock this morning. Way to go, Joe. Pat yourself on the head and just move along here. Sorry, that was the side note. I had to laugh at that because welcome to our leadership, which lead me to the point. Why are we seeing this right now? In the country of Israel. Now, I'm no expert on Israeli politics, but we do what we do know going on in the country is that they have had some turmoil with leadership. They haven't had a solid leader for a while. They removed Benjamin Netanyahu, who is prime minister, because of some investigations that were ongoing. Then they couldn't rally to find a unified government leadership again, because the way they work is that they have to find really the different caucuses, if you want to put it that way different leaders among the different religious sects, different governmental sects. They have to find a cabinet that will work from all of them to all have a proper say, because regardless of what progressives try to tell you, Israel is probably one of the most diverse places on the face of the earth. And what they do is they find a cabinet that represents every sect of religious leader in there, every sect of political leader to where they can all work together and everybody have a voice. And the only person that has been able to do that in the last, well, really decade, has been Benjamin Netanyahu. But they don't like him because they call him a radical conservative. 
They don't like him because they've been calling him a radical right-wing nutjob. Sounds relatively familiar with what's going on here in the United States, right? So they continue to attack him. They continue to try and file lawsuits against him, continue to try and find ways to remove him again, but realize and recognize that he's the only one that's been able to put together as a radical right-wing nut, a collective cabinet that represents everybody in a unified form enough to get votes to get in as prime minister. So during their political arguments in the shakiness of their system right now, in the shakiness of their leadership, Hamas the Palestinians, possibly the Iranians, possibly even the Russians, recognize the opportunity for weakness and seize the day. Carpe diem, baby. That's what they did. They see the opportunity now because of the weakness and leadership that they have, and it caught them off guard, and it obviously worked. Now they didn't get as far as they what would they've liked. They would have liked to just walk all over the entire country. That obviously didn't happen, but they sensed it, and they've been building up for it, and they're preparing for it, and they've been funding it, and they've been setting money aside, and they've been getting all their resources, and they made something like that happen that was a bit of a shock to the uh, to the Israeli government. Now, that cause for concern should be looked at here in the United States as well. Because, let's be honest, do we have the strongest leadership here in the U.S.? I don't know about that. We have Biden that can barely put a sentence together. He had to get out of bed early enough to make his statement earlier today to talk about this issue. When we come back, we'll talk about some of the U.S. leaders, where we're at, and should we be concerned in what we actually are doing here on the U.S. front to address the aid and the resources needed to help out the country of Israel, our great partner on the global stage. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. It's America's political therapist. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. Welcome back into it. We have Chad Jump on the air here for just a minute. We usually get to cover the weekend review stuff, but apparently the last couple of weeks we get to be the breaking news ones for the weekend like no one else is doing it because there are no other programs like this. So, hey, you know what? Not only are are we the weekend commentators, we're the news breakers on the program as well. What do you think? Yeah, I'm thinking that we probably are just because we get the first <laughs> of the day. That's right. We get it before anybody else. So welcome back into the program. So if you haven't heard, we've seen a major attack from uh, the country of Palestine, Hamas, the Gaza Strip, going after Israel by land, sea and air. Thousands of missiles. So far, we've seen hundreds killed. Fifty plus individuals been taken hostage as uh, the apparently the land assault was from soldiers barging into doors busting through rooms busting through houses just taking individuals and uh, taking them hostage so now israel saying that they are going on a full assault they will retaliate and it will be the strongest revenge that they've ever seen now you know what's going to happen is that we're going to see the left-wing progressives who despise israel I'm talking specifically about the radical socialist nuts alexandria ocasio cortez Ilhan Omar, who said that 9-11 was just something that happened by somebody that did something. Not really a big deal, right? They're the ones that refused to allow Benjamin Netanyahu to come and speak on the congressional floor just a few weeks ago. Didn't recognize him when he came to try and talk to the United States government. Really one of our largest allies in the entire area that's beneficial to both nations and really to the entire uh, Middle Eastern region. But nonetheless... 
we have a progressive government run by the Biden administration, run by some very progressive radical left-wing nutjobs right now that do not support Israel, Israel as much as we should. So with the announcement from the Biden administration on Saturday to respond to an issue like this, what are we really doing? Is it really going to be beneficial? Not only that, but let's take it to the next level. Why did we see them attack Israel the way that they are right now? Probably because they've been gearing up for this for a while. They've been able to set, set aside a lot of resources, money, weapons, so on and so forth. And they saw a weakness. They saw an opportunity. Seize the day. Carpe diem, which is what they've done. And not to think too pessimistically here, because you know us, we are the eternal optimists. But I would think that we would be on that target range next. We have a border that's wide open at the southern border, flooding thousands of migrants in every single day. We have a lack of Speaker of the House, really the third person in charge of this entire nation if the president and vice president go down. We don't have one of those right now. We have a president that can't remember his name half the time. We have a vice president that says it's a very complicated thing to understand AI. That's a technical, nice, fancy term for artificial intelligence. That's our leadership right now. And not to really be concerned, but just throwing it out there, if we're vulnerable now, uh, this would be the time for someone else to attack us as well because we're in a more vulnerable state than I think we've ever been in. Now, that's not to say that our military isn't strong. We still have a lot of boots on the ground. We still have a lot of technology. We're very well aware from the military standpoint, but so is Israel. They're always on high alert, and look what happened to them getting knocked back on their heels trying to recover as this conflict goes on, and let's see how large this escalates. Will this just be for a couple of days, or will this start to phase out? Did Palestine just take the big hit, and now they realize it wasn't going to work as well and beginning to withdraw, or will we see this escalate more? It all depends on how many other nations are involved in this conflict right now, because according to some experts, according to some national security experts, like Hal Kempfer, who was on, uh, I believe, USA Today, that was talking about uh, what this involves with Iran, with Russia, and with other nations that could take this to an entirely new level. One of the interesting aspects of this is it's a combined, not just air assault with the missiles, but they had a ground assault, and they were going across the border on the ground. They were also going across the border in paragliders. I mean, this is... telling you, it was orchestrated, it was planned, and they knew what was coming. Really crazy stuff. We'll continue to stay on top of this when we come back. Sharice Trump right around the corner. We'll talk about free speech on universities and so much more. It's your weekend edition of The Voice Reason. You're hearing it only right here. Stay here. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Truth, reason, and common sense. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. Welcome back into the program. Trying to cram that 10 pounds reason into that 5-pound bag. Trying to rebrand the millennial generation. One radio listener at a time, especially all over the country. As we cover the latest going on this weekend, the ongoing assault into Israel. We'll get back to that stuff in just a minute. According to David Kalfa with France24.com, they say that this is possibly one of the biggest attacks on Israel and one of the most astonishing, shocking, surprising uh, moments that we've seen in the country since the event that happened back in 1973. So this is a big deal, and we'll see whether it continues to escalate, how many countries are involved. Is there 
some involvement from the Iranian government with everything that we left over there when we vacated the area. Is there some involvement with Russia because they're upset about the resources going into Ukraine from uh, the United States and from uh, Israel and from other places around there, too? Is this going to turn into a bigger issue? We now have two major conflicts between Israel and the Ukraine that could tie together and uh, Let's hope that's not going to be the case. We'll get all back to that in just a little bit. We have some more uh, information that we'll get to as that continues on. But I want to shift gears a little bit because we are just a few months into the school year, and I I can't believe it. I have to say I am so happy that this weekend, for the first weekend, is a weekend where it's not 95 degrees. I was so angry last week when we first hit October 1st, and in Kansas, where I'm coming from with our flagship, (laughs) it was 95 degrees. I was not okay with that on October 1st. This weekend, it is cool and a little bit overcast-ish, and it's not pumpkin spice latte time because how could you? How could you? But nonetheless, it is Halloween time, and I will be setting up the Halloween decorations coming up here relatively soon, maybe throwing on some imaging on the program with that as well. But let's shift gears a little bit because we're also into school year, and the ongoing battle with higher education continues across the nation with freedom of speech conservative organizations, conservative messaging, conservative speeches. Are we allowed to have that? Or are the progressives taking hold with their iron grip control on higher education in the nation? Let's go to the Hoosier Media Hotline. I'm excited to have on the program here. She is the executive director for Speech First. Happy to have on here, Sharice Trump. Sharice, how are you today? I'm good. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I appreciate you coming on. What a battle it is. And I remember my (laughs) college days. We love to have fun as the college Republicans, but it seems to be harder for organizations like the Young Americans, Young Americans for Freedom, college Republicans, different organizations on college campuses to have a voice because apparently they're not allowed to do that much anymore. Yeah, absolutely. In addition to struggling to get their clubs recognized on campus and in order to receive student club and activity funding, they also struggle bringing speakers on, which are often shouted down. They're met with increased security fees because of concerns over protests and rioting. So instead for the university actually trying to like help the students bring on speakers of, you know, divergent viewpoints, they actually try to stop them from doing it by charging them thousands of dollars in security fees. And in addition to all of that, once the speaker supposedly does show up, or if the students try to hold an event or a tabling event, they, re- they run the risk of being accused of harassment or bias or offensive language, hate speech, to the point where the students are actually liable and could be um, actually taken into the administrator's office and have to go through sensitivity training afterwards. So, yeah, there's a whole host of, there's a whole host of scenarios that can play out just by trying to exist and trying to have and express your own ideas on college campuses these days. Never did I thought we'd have to have safe spaces, a masculinity confession booths, and like you said, some deprogramming like we heard Hillary Clinton say Mm -hmm. earlier this week about uh, those that have conservative messages. When did that really take hold? Because I get it. Every college kid thinks that, you know, they're going to be out there to change the world. They want to express their views for the first time. They're off on their own, being able to express what they want and how they see the world, Mm -hmm. what they want to do. And I applaud them for that. But when did we really see it from we're going to focus on studies to Let's become the ultimate activist to we're only going to be selective on the type of activists. And if you're not that right type of activist, then we're going to deprogram you and reprogram you in colleges. 
Right. Well, college campuses have always been hub for activism where the students, you know, this is when students are really kind of testing out their ideas, pushing on each other, pushing back on faculty and faculty pushing back on them um, in a way that is actually traditionally supposed to be more productive and intellectually stimulating for them, Uh, you know, where they actually can start holding these events or bringing, you know, debates, people to debate uh, different ideas together and have these interesting discussions. And so activism has always kind of been popular and existed on college campuses. But traditionally, even though the viewpoints were pretty much primarily left, which has always been the case on campuses, there was still an opening for everyone on the right or the more conservative students to have their voices heard. And there was still an understanding that we're all human beings here. We all have our ideas. And, you know, the great thing about America is that we can express those ideas and still respect one another um, and still kind of come away from it learning something. Uh, that started to shift over over the years throughout the 90s and early 2000s um, slowly, but it really took off, honestly, uh, through probably around the time of the Obama administration is when Black Lives Matter started and you started having a lot of these more racially motivated, uh, you know, disagreements. Uh, people started to become more racially divided because they started focusing on these things called identity politics, which is honestly derivative of like a Marxist ideology where you're looking at the world through the lens of oppressor and oppressed. So you start to like really think, okay, well, they can't be on my, if they're not on my side, then all of a sudden they're the oppressor, right? And I, you know, and I'm the victim. So it really flips the switch there and everyone starts to see themselves as either a victim or an oppressor. And, so, you know, when once Trump kind of came in in 2016, that's really when the administrators started getting involved saying, oh, there's all these counseling sessions, there's crying rooms where you can go cry because Donald Trump got elected, or you can, you know, you can skip out on your exams if you feel like you're emotionally distraught to the point where you can't, you can't pass your final exam because Donald Trump got elected. And then, of course, the summer of 2020, uh, where the George Floyd uh, killing happened, and then once that, once that took place, uh, everything on campus just pretty much went out the window when it came to respecting other people's ideas. Now it's like you're trying to kill me if you disagree with me. And speech is violence and speech, all free speech is hate speech. And, you know, their universities are just playing into this left and right because, one, they're afraid. Some of them are, are just genuinely afraid of controversy and of upsetting the woke mob. Um, and the other, on the other hand, there are these bad actors who want to turn students into political activists for their own political agendas and want to manipulate them and brainwash them and use them for their own advantage. Uh, and that, you know, looks a lot more, you know, what, what you mentioned, where they actually have schools or they actually have classes in schools on abolish the police, for example, or they have activism classes that you can get credit for participating in protests. And, you know, when you start thinking as a taxpayer for public schools, you're like, wait a second, are my taxpayer dollars funding these activist training sessions? Because that's not what college is supposed to be for. Yeah, I completely agree. It it really wants it really brings the idea to reform colleges because I I question that every day. I'm so glad I left after two years of my four year university here in Kansas. You'll enjoy this one here in Kansas. We just started because of the fascination for whatever reason with the Kansas City Chiefs. We now have a class at Kansas University that is the sociology of Taylor Swift. Yeah, that that is. (laughs) I saw one the other day. (laughs) I saw one the other day. It's the sociology of Lady Gaga. I mean, uh, <laughs> that's what we're that's what we're, we're paying for. That's what you know. You when you wonder why students graduate and are stuck in debt and can't get out of debt because they can't find real jobs, it's because they're graduating with no transmutable skills. They're graduating with the inability to function. Not only can they not engage with disagreeing ideas or engage with anyone kind of on a realistic level because they're not used to debate and they're not used to discussion anymore, but and they're not being exposed to other ideas. 
But also now they have no real skills coming out because they're spending all their time on social media and then they're being encouraged to participate in these ridiculous activist movements. And then, like you said, they're taking classes on Taylor Swift. Cornell offers a class on tree climbing. And uh, like, you know, so there's, there's all, I mean, <laughs> this is what they're spending their time doing. It's like, did your parents really send you to Cornell to learn how to climb a tree? Is that really why you're there? <laughs> but yeah. this is exactly what's going on. If you don't know how to climb a tree by the time of college, then you're in another world of hurt as well. It's a, <laughs> right, it's a whole exactly. other conversation. We're talking with Sharice Trump. She's the executive director of Speech at First, which you can find online at speechfirst.org. Sharice, what is equity? Because now that's the new term, as you mentioned, this identity politics, <laughs> yeah. is that we have to increase everybody's equity. I'm sorry, I didn't realize the government was giving us value, and therefore, mm-hmm. wouldn't that make us another servitudes of the government if they're like, your equity is X amount, therefore, this is how much we see you as a value to society? Yes, the term equity is a very manipulative term. There, this is very intentional. The goal here is to change the function of equality. So equality is equal opportunity, the idea of having everyone having access to the same opportunities to be successful. So you all have access to education. You all have access to, um, to the market, to the free market, right, to be successful in this country. And that is something that everyone has the right to. But what they want to do is flip that around and say, actually, we think everyone should have equal results. So regardless of whatever opportunities they had, we want to make sure they all end up in the same place. And this is straight out of the book of you know, Marxist socialism. This is exactly, you know, this is where you come to concepts of redistribution of wealth. This is how you come to those, those results, because the only way for that to be possible, for you to have equal outcomes, is for a state actor to come in and manipulate the system so that everyone um, basically can, can end up in the same place. So this means holding back people who are successful so that you can, pr- so that you can support people who are less likely to be successful, um, regardless of their shortcomings. This is where you get uh, policies like affirmative action, where you're able to discriminate on the basis of race against whites and Asians who tend to be more inclined to get into universities based on their test scores in order to um, open the door for underrepresented minorities who do not test as well to get into the door um, on those university campuses, which inevitably, though, which, you know, this is what's fascinating about the whole thing is there's so much evidence that shows that shows how this is is actually ineffective because what you do is not only are you discriminating on the basis of race against those other groups, um, but the ones that you are putting preference towards actually are not prepared for what you're putting them into. So say you let someone who comes from an under, uh, underrepresented minority community and they're in an Ivy. Now they got into an Ivy league school just because of the color of their skin. So they get into that Ivy league school, but they don't have the ability to read or write up to the college level. So that's, it ends up the problem. Yeah. That's a whole nother issue. Yeah. Sharice, hang on the line here. we got to take a hard break. It's Sharice Trump, yeah. executive director of speech first, speech first.org. We'll come back and talk about ways we can start to fix this issue and get some speech back for conservatives on college campuses right back here on the weekend edition of the voice. Of this Reason. is the voice of reason with Andy Hoosier. Where Hoosier Holics gather every week. This is the voice of reason with Andy Hoosier. Darn right it is. Hoosier Holics gathering from all over the country, all in one centralized place, two hours every single weekend. Wonderful to have you with us on our weekend edition here of The Voice Reason. We are talking about free speech in college campuses. How do we get it back? Some of the things that went astray 
in higher education? Do we really need that higher education as much as what we did before? I want my degree in the sociology of Taylor Swift or Lady Gaga or others. <laughs> yeah, that'll make me super successful in life to where I can flip burgers at McDonald's the rest of my life. We're hanging out with executive director <laughs> for speechfirst.org, Sharice Trump, as we talk about equity and uh, we talk a lot about this identity politics it is mm-hmm. really the focal point of progressives and their control over the masses right now but do you think that there's a there's a point where we're going to see the pendulum swing the other direction even if those on the other side that identify as this identify as that at some point they have to realize that they're no longer an individual under this idea they're just part of the group think of that collective uh, whether it's skin color or religion or gender identity or mm-hmm. sexual orientation, but they no longer have individual thought. And you'd think at some point you'd be like, well, I'm really not an individual any longer. I'm just part of the ongoing movement here. Well, yeah, I mean, I think it, it's, it's going to go both ways. So we are seeing a shift away from DEI and away from this identity politics type of thinking um, in, because of this, rejection of individualism. Uh, so you are seeing some of the younger generation in gen- Generation Z start to pull away from that, and you are seeing a bigger push towards the right of center movement. However, you're also seeing the reason why the left is getting becoming more and more extreme. And I have a theory that it has a lot to do with the fact that you're right. They're obsessed with being special and unique individuals, and they've been told that their whole lives, right? Millennials and Gen Zs have. So that's what they want. That's what they strive for. And so the, the more they want to be a victim, the more unique and special they can feel. So they try to seek out this various reasons for victimhood. They accuse people of racism, accuse people of microaggression or triggering them in other ways. Um, it makes them feel not only you know, like they're part of this group of the oppressed, but also that they're unique and special and different from everyone else. The problem is once more and more people fall into the category as them as being easily offended by these things, they need to find new and unique ways to be offended and horrified. So they will continue to push and find different things. So we've solved this issue, but now there's this issue. And they're just gonna, it's like playing whack-a-mole with them, essentially. They're just going to keep coming up with a reason that we've never thought of before of why that somehow they might be offended. Yeah, it's always trying to find that new and creative way. You have to be super mm-hmm. duper special now. You can't just be special. You have to be extra special, and you have to find that take it to the next <laughs> notch. It's really on the identity politics list of how many boxes that you can check to be the most right. victimized in society, and that's the way they roll. Uh, Sharice, we just got just about a minute, minute and a half left or so here, but what can yeah. we do to help these kids, help these students, these young adults in college get back on track, get the education that they actually need, but also allow them to have their voice heard regardless of what side of the political spectrum that they fall on. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so there's a number of ways to do this. One, they have to be more courageous and speak up. And this includes faculty. I know, I've spoken to a number of faculty members who say that they don't even hold class discussions anymore because they're so afraid of you know, being accused of making the, the classroom an unsafe space and making students, putting students in a position where they're easily offended. But you need faculty members to push and challenge students. Students need to push and challenge each other. I tell students all the time they need to be courageous enough to speak up and understand that there may be consequences, but others will see them and they will follow. So that's one aspect. And there are clubs on campus like Turning Point, Young Americans for Liberty, Young Americans for Freedom, uh, Independent, or, uh, you know, Network of Enlightened Women, all these groups that exist on campuses for conservative students, but they need to merge also with the students on the left and they need to challenge each other. So in addition to that, though, there are legal remedies, which is what our organization at Speech First does. You know, when we see policies on college campuses like these re-education programs, these bias reporting systems that have students anonymously report 
turn on one another, the weaponization of harassment policies against certain students based on their viewpoints. When we see that stuff, our student members come to us and we actually are able to sue the universities on their behalf and hold the professors accountable. So that is a huge way, you know, obviously litigation is not chief, so any support that can be, you know, speech first to where you can find an organization. But so it's not something everyone can do. But there's also a matter of just getting involved in campus, being educated about your rights and policies on your campus. Yeah, you guys are fighting it on the home front, and we appreciate everything that you're doing. Speechfirst.org, go and check it out. Fight for your right for your children, your young adults to be able to go and have a voice in college, get the proper education, and have fun doing it, making their voice heard on any way, shape, or form. Sharice Trump, the executive director. Sharice, thank you so much for the time, my friend. We'd love to get you back on the show again soon absolutely absolutely appreciate it very much there it is our number one in the book so much more to talk about we have some latest out of israel what's going on there we have the speaker of the house vote coming up next week and so many more issues going on across the nation what's happening in your community we're going to touch on all that and more it's our number two of the voice reason right here on your favorite radio station stay right here